Hi everyone and welcome to episode number five of the Wuhan Jiao podcast. This is your host Krista and today I'm excited to be able to interview my friend Julia Rorcasi. So Julia is a TCK which for our listeners that don't know what that is, that is a third culture kid and as defined by tckworld.com <laughs> is an individual who having spent a significant part of the developmental years in a culture other than that of their parents develops a sense of relationship to both. So these types of people are very culturally blended and I think it was significant uh, for me to mention this about Julia because I really think you'll hear this um, affect her outlook on the world and life and just really impact who she is. So Julia is an American uh, who was born and raised in Hildesheim, Germany. I had to practice saying that, so I hope I got it right. Um, so she went to the public school growing up in Germany, and then for university, she went to Oklahoma Christian University in the States. Julia has always had a love for diverse cultures and their people. She just finds them really fascinating. So with her love of languages, it led her straight to teach teaching English as a foreign language. So after graduating university in December of 2017, she moved to the small island of Roatan, Honduras, where she worked with Samuel Raymond Christian School for 10 months before accepting the job as a language support teacher where she is now in Wuhan. And Julia shared with me that this week is actually her one-year anniversary of moving to China, which is super exciting for her. So I'm excited to have Julia on today because Julia has been in the full quarantine in Wuhan for the past couple months, um, and she has a lot of insight and advice and wisdom just to provide with um, many of us around the world as we enter into seasons of quarantine ourselves. So let's listen in to Julia. Hi, Julia. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. So I want to ask you our first question that I always ask our guests on the Wuhan Jiao podcast, which is to name your three favorite things about Wuhan. All right. Three favorite things. I actually, when I was thinking about this, I was like, I really have to think through this because I've only lived in Wuhan for one year. And so I was like, I haven't experienced all of it yet but one thing I think that I really like is how diverse it is um there's just there's a lot of international university students a lot of companies and so um the fact that I came to China and you know have been developing friendships with people from South America from Africa from all these different places I think has been a really cool plus to have um my second thing I think is how easy of a place it is to live um it's really easy to get around they a lot of the apps we use are translated into english and um it's green it's beautiful and so it's such an easy place to live i think and then i have to echo in my last thing with what other people have said before is just the people are just incredibly kind um i have my parents were here earlier this year um they went to the grocery store with me and I would let them go collect vegetables and stuff and kind of help me with grocery shopping. And when they uh, went to a scale sometimes and they couldn't figure it out and I was on the other end of the aisle, there were some Chinese people who would just come up and start helping them with it and then like weigh it for them, press the buttons they needed to press and like get little tags. And so it was so sweet to kind of just see that where I didn't have to like follow them around because people were just so nice and helpful to them. 
Yeah, that is so kind. They truly are such kind people there in Wuhan. I love it. I can mm-hmm. totally so at this point, you've been in Wuhan for the entire duration of the quarantine. If you don't mind yes. me asking, um, I would love to know why did you decide to stay in Wuhan? Because I know you did have the option to leave. Um, is yeah. That, it is. Could you also describe kind of how this decision impacted you and, and the people around you, maybe? Yeah. Um, so I think... Um, I I do understand. I think yesterday someone mentioned to me that, you know, we really had a luxury when we had the choice of staying or going. I know that there's a lot of people here in Wuhan and China who didn't have that luxury. And even now in the U.S., like um, we had the choice to um, confront this virus here in our homes or to evacuate. And now other people like they have to confront it whether they want to or not. And so I think that was kind of a blessing that we didn't really see. But um, I think there's kind of two parts to the reason why I didn't, why I decided to stay. Um, one being that after only having been here for one year, um, I didn't feel like me saying like, this is my home, I need to stay here, um, was as much of a like heavy argument for it just because, um, I've been in other places for a year that have um, had bigger impacts or like they felt more like home or I've had more experiences with them that made it feel like home. But, um, I think after growing up as a TCK or as a third culture kid, my sense of home kind of comes with me wherever I unpack all my bags, not just like my one carry on, but like all of my bags of my stuff. And so like, I have like my apartment, my room, it always looks like me. Like it makes me feel like I'm coming home. And so in the past six years before that, home was always changing. Like it went from like college dorm to college dorm to apartments to um, after college living abroad and living in other people's homes. And then while I was waiting to come here, I was just housed in someone's uh, spare room, you know. And so I think coming here and then having a whole year where I'm staying in one place and there's, you know, a plan to continue staying in this one place, like the thought of having to leave and go and stay in someone else's house for another, you know, unforeseen and unknown time, I think was just, it was just kind of already putting stress on my mental health. And I was just like, this is, this is not going to be a good situation if I have to go and stay, um, you know, in my grandmother's basement or in, um, you know, even in Germany with my parents, I was like, that's not going to be a good situation for me to have to work out of someone else's home and to feel like, you know, maybe, um, I, make me feel like I'm burdening them, even though, you know, to them, it might not be that way. And so I think that was one side of it was that I felt like here, I'm in my own home. I have, you know, I, I provide for myself, you know, what I need. And I'm not concerned about being in someone else's home or invading anybody else's space. And that takes a stressor off of me. But also, it seemed every time I confronted the situation, and I prayed about it, um, I always, I always felt very convicted and called that I couldn't leave this little home that I had created. And um, it was just, it was almost just a gut feeling that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the time to leave. And I also just had a really big curiosity to see like how the story, how the situation would unfold and just kind of what, you know, would Wuhan would be bringing out of it. Hmm. So how, 
how would you say the this virus has kind of um, I don't know if this is the right word, but how has it disrupted your life? Even if you'd like to describe maybe emotionally, if mm-hmm. you feel comfortable. Um, I think, I mean, it disrupted quite a bit because actually I think a day before the lockdown happened, my parents flew in from Germany and um, we were, they were coming for like a trip to visit me and we, I had planned out like all these things we were going to do to see Wuhan and uh, we were going to go to Thailand for two weeks after that. And, you know, it was going to be this whole, like, they're going to come see my world kind of. And I was really excited about that. So like that alone already like put a damper on it. Cause like the, literally the next day they were like, all right, there's no travel in and out. And so we were like, okay, we're supposed to leave for two, in two days to go to Thailand this is going to be a trying situation. (laughs) Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, then as the time like passed even more, like um, I had, I coach a high school basketball team. And so like that tournament that was supposed to be right after the Chinese new year break got canceled. And then um, other travel plans, because our supposed spring break was supposed to be next week. And so like other travel plans, like were put on hold. And then things like baby showers we didn't get to do. And then, you know, now even more, like, uh, possible conflicts on summer plans where, you know, I wanted to go back home for my brother's graduation or my sister's graduation. And, you know, all of these things, you know, they're probably not going to happen. And so it was it was really disappointing at first. I think the first few days of the travel plan, I was really upset about it. Um, because, you know, I had made all these plans to show my parents around Wuhan and I was, I was really excited and I was really invested in those, um, chances to kind of show them my life here. And I really did have to like grieve the loss of those opportunities and grieve the loss of like those things that I was going to get to enjoy with them. Um, and so, yeah, and especially like having to tell my basketball team, like, we're not going to have a tournament and knowing how hard they've been working for the past nine weeks and how excited they were about it. And then um, even more like hearing people talk about, you know, maybe there won't be a graduation this summer that you can come to. And so like really having to let those emotions like that disappointment um, be felt and um, just, you know, the frustration had to be let out. And so I really did do think that I had to grieve the loss of those things. Um, but I do think that on the other side, there were a lot of blessings as well. Um, the few weeks that my parents were still here during the lockdown, um, we got to, we still kind of met up with a few people. And so they still got to kind of see the school that I worked at. And they got to, you know, talk with um, people who are still here and meet a few people who are still here. And I think um, that time was really special. And I think they got to know um, some people really um, closely that they would now even consider friends. And so that was, um, I think, even more special in this, you know, weird time. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned a couple times uh, the words grieving the loss of like mm-hmm. several disappointments of of losing things and events that you you haven't been able to have or may not be able to have um, to to those of us um, in other areas of the world who are now starting to experience similar things of of losing um, some something that we thought we were going to have. Um, what would you recommend uh, for the rest of us and how how do we go about grieving our losses? 
Um, I think it looks different for everybody. Um, I do. I think that it needs to be, you know, it needs to be felt like it's okay to be disappointed. Um, it's easy to kind of push away that disappointment and those feelings by saying, you know, other people have it worse, you know, at least we're not sick. And yeah, you can do that and you can remind yourself to be grateful for what you have. But I do think, you know, those, those events and those things, like you put a lot of thought and effort into them. Like, um, I know that like some people have to push back their weddings and like all these things, like you build up a lot of expectations and excitement and emotional investment in these things. And that that energy that, you know, those emotions and those feelings like they need to be validated and that disappointment that comes from it that needs to be felt. And so whether that is like just, you know, telling someone about all of the things you were excited about, like for me, the first couple of days, you know, I had to sit and talk with my mom and said, you know, I was really looking forward to going to, you know, these festivals with you or to go to um, Thailand and do this this event with you and you know, having to cancel those, you know, that was really disappointing. And that was really hard for me to do. And even having to like, um, talk to my basketball team about, you know, I'm, you know, it's, I'm really sorry. And I really hate to say this, but you know, it doesn't look like we can have a tournament and to, you know, get a chance to talk to um, my dad about it and to be like, you know, I really think they were going to do really good this year. And that was really disappointing that they didn't have a chance to show off all the hard work that they've put into it. And so um, I think just validating by talking about it is a good step for it. You know, just talking about, you know, you are disappointed and that's okay. Um, But then I know like for other people, it can be a little bit different. And so I think in the past, occasionally I've done it through, I've done some grieving through like artistic things. Like I like to do calligraphy or I like to write letters. And so just processing it out loud outside of your head, I think, is one step towards, um, you know, grieving well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Yeah. I kind of want to rebound off of that question um, and move into um, how it's been living alone in an extreme, extreme quarantine uh, where you are in Wuhan. For a lot of us who are starting to face uh, what we're calling social distancing, and uh, we're experiencing being alone a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, um, as someone who's been alone a lot for the past two months, uh, what kind of advice would you have for us? Um, how did you deal with the loneliness, and how did you stay connected with people? Yeah, um, I think I think it's very important to differentiate that for one, like, I can still walk outside around my complex to an extent, um, so I'm not confined to my apartment, thank the Lord, um, but, and for another, I think it's also important, like, I'm a very big introvert, I, you know, have willingly stayed in my apartment for, like, a full day and been okay with it, and, um, thankfully, also, my roommate wasn't in town when the lockdown happened, and so I have a whole apartment to myself, and so I think, that on the one hand, like, I'm really thankful that I'm by myself because being confined and not having, like, a day to just go to the other side of the city so that I feel, like, far away from people. Um, I haven't had, like, that kind of cabin fever where I'm confined with other people. And I think that would have been a whole different challenge to it. Um, I have one friend here in the complex who we have been meeting up occasionally to, like, exercise or to 
um, have dinner together. And I feel like we had talked about it and we were like, you know what, for the sake of our mental health, you know, we need to have some interaction together in order to stay sane. Um, because your mental health is under, you know, is, is at risk right now too. And is under attack from, you know, confinement, cabin fever, you know, worry and stuff like that. And so I think it's really important to have like social times, but also be able to recluse yourself when, you know, a lot of things just seem overwhelming from the outside world. And so I think it's been a blessing to be alone um, in this time, but also I've been really blessed to have um, one friend who is willing to kind of take that risk um, for our physical health, for the sake of our mental health. Advice that I would give would be like prepare to entertain yourself and others in your home. Um, you know, prepare with um, journals, crafts, games, art supplies, and workout equipment. You know, I think those have been an incredible blessing. Um, I was really glad. One of the reasons I was glad to stay was because I have a guitar here. I have some art stuff. I have my journals here. I have my books here. And so I knew that I could entertain myself here in isolation. Um, yeah. And so create a schedule. Um, I have a very rough one since it's just me here and there's nobody to keep me accountable to my schedule. Um, but I do have one where I wake up. And I have slow mornings because I really enjoy slow mornings. Anybody who knows me knows that I am not a morning person. And so <laughs> I actually have really slow mornings and I really enjoy those. And so yeah. I love that I don't have to wake up at 530 in the morning every day and that I can, you know, have the extra time to froth my milk for my coffee and, yes. you know, read my books and um, journal and stuff like that. And so I actually start work kind of late. Because I have that luxury right now of time. And so, you know, find those things that just kind of make you happy that you don't get to have during your work days, during your busy schedules. And so take time for those, but also create a schedule. And so a lot of times, like, my schedule will be like, you have to start work by 10. Like, you can read and do whatever you want to in the mornings, but then you have to start work by 10, usually. And so that has been really helpful. Um, another thing is, um, I, I have found, I always need to find a way to anchor myself during the day. So for me in the morning, it's, um, through journaling and praying and reading the Bible. And so every morning I find that I have to start my day in prayer or reading or, um, journaling because the days that I haven't done it have sucked. <laughs> and so I've had to be like, you know what? I just, every morning I need to sit down and remind myself, of God's promises and I have to remind myself of you know what he's promised for me even in times of um, difficulty and so that always sets the tone for my day and it sets the tone for a better day and yeah other than that I would say exercise and limit your screen time because I have had days where I've had serious headaches from just way too much screen time <laughs> oh I needed to hear that Julia I get I get notifications from my phone like telling me how much the percentage of my screen time has just keep gone up up and up like every single week because of the amount of like I'm doing work on my screen but I'm also yeah. like socially acting on my screen and doing everything on the screen now so oh mm -hmm. I feel that so yeah yeah so I really appreciate you sharing so much advice about how you have walked through quarantine because truly Julia um I've been able to kind of 
virtually walk through this experience with you a little bit and just seeing you admit to, yes, this is hard. And um, yes, I need to grieve things. And yes, I need to feel all my emotions through all of it. But truly, um, you have just walked through this season with so much grace and strength in your life. And so I feel that it will be really helpful for so many of our listeners to hear the advice that you have to continue to give. But um, so I really thank you for that and appreciate you giving the yeah, time of course. to share that. But what are some like, I don't know, this is a silly question. What are some normal routines or normal, normal life things in Wuhan that you're actually looking forward to getting back into once quarantine is over? Ooh, um, I think I'm really excited to just kind of go out and explore Wuhan. Like I've seen parts of it um, and I've kind of been around like the main main like famous e parts of Wuhan but you know I haven't visited a lot of the lakes or like there's mountains apparently around which I've noticed when you know the pollution was low <laughs> you know well, stuff like that where I'm like I'm like have I really seen that much of Wuhan like in reality like I spent last all last semester traveling a lot for um work and then I was like you know I was like, I haven't actually seen that much. So I'm like, I'm excited for the opportunity to, um, you know, go out and just kind of see more of Wuhan and why, like, people just love it so much. Um, Yeah. And then I think I'm just kind of excited for the little things like, you know, getting street food, getting, you know, going to the little restaurant down the road where, you know, they started to recognize us and stuff like that. And I'm like, I really miss those things. (laughs) Yeah. It's sometimes just those little things. Yeah, even yeah. Just coming down to the street food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, as someone who's been in quarantine living in Wuhan this entire time, what do you want the world to know about the situation in Wuhan, even just from your perspective? I'm not asking like mm-hmm. facts versus fish, fiction, but just what, yeah, what would no. you like to share from your perspective? Um. I think I'd like people to know that, you know, we're, we're okay. You know, it's been hard on people and it was a challenge, I think, for many people, especially for families. Um, but, you know, after eight weeks, we're starting to see good things. We're starting to see, you know, kids come out. Like, we haven't seen kids outside of the apartments, like, for a good six weeks. And I think just last week we started seeing one or two kids out. And then, like, yesterday I saw a whole family outside with a volleyball like wearing their masks and just kind of hitting the volleyball around with little plastic gloves it was really cute um Mm. but but yeah like there's there's a light of the at at the end of the tunnel you know we don't know how um how it's gonna look once they start opening the gates fully like we're hoping that you know that'll be the end of it but we really you know we really can't tell but I think I would just like people to know like how hard Wuhan has worked to kind of um, fight the virus as best they can um, because since it came from here and how responsible they feel for, you know, heading up um, good systems and, um, you know, sacrificing, you know, a lot by locking down for a full eight weeks, um, even before, you know, it was deemed a pandemic like they were. Um, they they understood the concern from, um, you know, mid-January and 
Um, I think that that's very admirable. And I think the people who believe it's their duty to stay inside and that's their part in um, fighting the virus. And um, I have a lot of respect for that. And um, I really hope that people can uh, can see that and can be grateful for that and can, you know, just instead of blaming China, China for a virus that they can be thankful for um how they, you know, how Wuhan was kind of an example of sacrificing for, um, you know, the Commonwealth and, you know, so we can all get through this together. Yes, so needed to hear, Julia. Thank you. And I am um, so overjoyed to hear about the hope that we're hearing um, from the the more recent news in Wuhan and the the low numbers of, well, zero now. Um, Mm -hmm. of new cases which is super exciting so we're always excited for hope and then our closing question of what is your favorite memory in Wuhan I know this is a really hard question (laughs) um, but there's no right or wrong answer so do the best you can (laughs) that's good um yeah I was actually thinking I was like what it, I was like, good memories in Wuhan. I mean, there's loads of them, but I was really trying to like think through like one that stands out to me. But I think like the best thing I can remember about Wuhan is, um, so the the process of getting to China for me took really long just because of like paperwork and um, I was applying right in the middle of Chinese New Year. So there was a long break and like last year. And so it just I, it took four months to get me to Wuhan. Um, and so it like finally, like when I was on the flight over, like it had it was such a like shock to me. Like I, I felt like I was preparing for it for those four months. But at the same time, it was like such a shock because it was such a different environment. Like flying to like Central America was on one hand, like it was scary, but it was like, I can still read signs, you know, it's okay. But then like flying to go transitioning through Beijing, I was like, I can't read any signs. Like what is this? Not at all. (laughs) I was like, and just like realizing like, okay, I have no SIM card for my phone and like, I can't figure out how to connect to the Wi-Fi. So it's like, (laughs) something happens. Like, who am I going to (laughs) call? You know, and like there was just I had so much fear and I was just so scared. I was like, this is terrifying. And I was like, I was like, I don't really know, like, who is meeting me on the other side. I was told someone is. I don't know who. And like, I haven't talked to them. And I was just like, I'm I'm not sure like what to do. And like and I and I remember like going to the the airport bathroom and just like crying because I was just so terrified. I was just like, this is like nerve wracking. Um, and I was just, cause I, you know, I didn't know much about Wuhan. Like it's not a big tourist city. So people, people don't like, you don't find it on Pinterest or anything. Like you find a few (laughs) pictures of like the yellow crane tower and that's about it. But like, you really, you really don't see a whole lot or hear a whole lot about it. And so like, I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't like, I, I don't understand what this is. And yeah. And so I remember like being so terrified, being so exhausted by the end that I like by the end of the trip, but then like the following days like I came right in the middle of like spring break so I didn't meet a whole lot of people but like the following days of like going to Walmart going to you know our big import store metro and going to like snack street and like all these different things and um kind of creating my home in my apartment and then my first days at work like they were all very overwhelming but I think that in the long long 
run, it felt like um, a lot of it felt like just coming home finally and working um, alongside people who I felt had the same heart and the same desires and the same um, goals as I do um, in teaching and um, just being in a, you know, in a city where there's so much diversity and um, there's so many different kinds of people to get to know and so many like activities you can do and just um, it's green and it's beautiful and, you know, it's just, um, and it's not like the, the Chinese experiences. Like I heard a lot about people were like, oh, people are going to stare at you. They're going to take pictures of you all the time. They're going to want to, you know, do all these, like they're going to crowd you and stuff like that. And I didn't think at all that was an experience I had here in Wuhan. Like people are very used to foreigners here and they're, you know, they're very kind to us and they help us with, you know, translations and stuff like that. And, you know, some restaurants here have an English menu just for us. It honestly had a feeling of just like coming home and it was just such like the coolest experience I think ever. Mm, I love that so much. Wow, Julia, thank you so much for um, being so open and willing to share and truly being really vulnerable about your experience and your emotions and um, everything going through quarantine and being in Wuhan. I really appreciate that. And, and especially um, just you speaking out about um, just speaking truth to us and um, saying things that we need to hear um, around the world. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. I really appreciate that. Yeah, really, Julia, I appreciate it. And um, it's truly been an honor to just, um, like I mentioned before, just to see you walking with grace and strength um, through through the season of your life. So thank you for being willing to share some of that with us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Julia. You're I miss welcome. you so much. I and miss I you too. I can't wait for you to come back. back. I know. We can go get street food together. Oh, yeah. Please. And go explore those <laughs> mountains that you saw. Yeah. there. Yeah. I can see them on my window. I was like, wait, Wuhan has mountains? What? <laughs> <laughs> we'll go find them, okay, when I get back. Yeah, okay. Go Sounds good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening into my conversation with Julia today. I hope that this episode provided you with some wisdom and insight as many of us now around the world are entering into seasons of quarantine as we fight this virus together. I hope that the conversation also helped to provide you with a more accurate view of Wuhan and its people. Today we celebrate the hope that Wuhan is giving to the rest of the world um, by fighting this virus um, as a city and even now conquering it. So I want to encourage each of you today to take some time to have conversations with the people around you and as Julia mentioned, um, to grieve your losses during this season. It's not easy for any of us, um, but we're in this together. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining me.